in today's show. We're looking back at the 2021-2022 regular season for fantasy basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out PrizePix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, I know they're in the playoffs. This show is being recorded on the 18th of April, well ahead of when you're listening to it, because I am currently on holiday. I'm on vacation. So I don't know what's happened in the playoffs. That's not really that important for us in fantasy. It has a slight impact. But we'll look back at what happened in the regular season for this team and what can happen as we move forward. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do we look at for the Nets? They do have a um, a first-round pick, maybe. They've got perhaps the Sixers pick, pick 25. They can also choose to defer that to 2023 if they, if they want. Otherwise, they'll take pick 25 this year. I would expect that they probably would take that, considering they don't have their own first, and they don't have their own second. That's gone to the Pistons, and their own first has gone to the Rockets. So I'd, I'd expect that they um, that they will take that pick, pick 25. We'll see. Tankathon has them picking Christian Braun, shooting guard out of Kansas with that selection. In terms of free agency, well, what the hell happens with Kyrie Irving? He has a $39 million, $37 million, sorry, player option, which he will almost undoubtedly decline. Does he re-sign here now that the mandates are over? Do the Nets want him back? Probably. Yeah, almost definitely. But does he come back? Like It's just, I don't know. It's just a massive... Him, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, probably the three biggest question marks in terms of do they actually stay with their teams or do they move on? I, w- I would... Ex- if Kyrie is not back, they're, they're, in, they're screwed. They're in real trouble. Um, I do, at this point, think that he will return. They also have Paddy Mills, who's got a $6.2 million player option. Let's be honest, after the first six weeks of the season, Mills wouldn't get... $6.2 million this season. He struggled a lot. Uh, I think he'll pick that up. Bruce Brown is an unrestricted free agent after he took the qualifying offer. Pretty weird they couldn't come to any sort of extension with him. He's valuable. They didn't treat him like he was valuable to begin the year. Um, He should be getting $10 million a year plus. They have his bird rights. They can afford that. Whether they do it or not, they need him desperately. Nicky Claxton's a restricted free agent. They also need him desperately. So that's big decisions. What happens with Kyrie? Pretty much out of their hands. What happens with Bruce Brown? Maybe out of their hands. And then how much they have to pay to bring Claxton back. He'll get 10 plus a year. If Dan Gafford got 10, 12 a year, then Claxton's getting that. And then you've got Griffin, Aldridge, Drummond, and Dragic, all unrestricted guys. Kessler Edwards, they've got signed, thankfully. David Duke, who I thought was solid at times. 
Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. Um, on a two-way, I'd like to see them bring him back. I don't think there's any point in them bringing back Dragic or Griffin. Aldridge, I think he just probably should retire at this stage. But they're a team that's going to need to fill in with veterans. Drummond, I think, would get more than the veteran minimum somewhere else. So I don't think he'll be back. Um, and Dragic, yeah, look, I, I just, I don't see the, they're not going to be impact players regardless. They need to start to find other options apart from them. But of course, the guy that they will welcome back, we assume, next year, and he might have played in a playoff game by now. It's Ben Simmons, who we didn't get to see play at all this regular season, which is frustrating because we know Ben Simmons can be a really impactful NBA player. We know the downside of his game and the shooting and the lack of confidence and all the stuff that happened this year now with a back injury. Second back injury he's had in his career, along with a foot injury. It's, it's, a, it's a worry where he sits. But the last time we saw him play, obviously it was that bad series in the playoffs, but last regular season we saw him play, he was the 69th ranked player in fantasy. The year before that, 25th, 38th, 32nd. He's only played four years in the NBA and he's never been outside the top 70. He averaged 14, 7, and 7 with 1.6 steals the last time he played. Free throws were a big issue. And we don't know how he fits along with Kyrie and KD. I think he might fit okay with those guys. He's not going to be a high scorer. You know, 20 usage is understandable. But look at what Bruce Brown did. Maybe that's why they won't bring Bruce Brown back because Simmons can just sort of be that role. But a guy that can set these players up and play really good defense at a really big size. And the rebounding, the assists, the steals, the good field goal percentage I think will be strong for him. It's just be the scoring that's the issue. Uh, it's re- Again, it's really tough to know where we draft him. But we know he's not going to sit out the season. Injuries may be a concern for him. In 58 and 57 games the last two years, prior to this year with zero games. The first two years, 81 and 79, of course, not including his rookie year. He's a guy that around that 50 mark, I think I'd pull the trigger, understanding that I have to punt free throws. And you might get 13, 7, and 7 with 1.9 steals. You might that's And that's useful enough. Probably about 50, maybe 60 or 70 that I'd go with him at. With the understanding that it could actually push significantly higher than that. But it's just a big unknown, isn't it? As to how he's going to look and how he's going to fit with these players on his new team. Let's talk about some of these players who are on his new team. Actually, we won't do that yet because I'll tell you about prize picks instead. You're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? You need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And I know you're going to love it as well. It's not like traditional DFS where you're trying to make rosters with salary caps. They're just over-under projections. Whether that's a points over-under, a rebounds, a threes, steals, assists, whatever. You just look at them and go over-under. And you pick two to five different ones of those, put them into one lineup. You can win up to 10 times your entry fee. And it doesn't just have to be basketball. You can throw hockey in there. You can throw baseball in there. MMA, soccer, college sports when they're rolling. All into the one lineup. Withdrawals are easy, they're safe, they're fast. Entries are fast and safe as well. And we've got a great offer for you. For a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer. 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first Price Picks, Price Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA. 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Kevin Durant was the number two overall player on a per-game basis this season in category leagues. He was sixth in points leagues, averaging 50 fantasy points. He was drafted number six overall. I was a bit hesitant to get him at five or six, maybe more eight or nine, just because of games missed. 
and he missed games. He played 55 with another injury, knee injury this time. This happens a lot to these players. He's was in, Before he hurt his Achilles, he had injuries as well. Broken foot and knee issues, ankle injuries, and now the Achilles and now the knee injury and the knee injury last year. I think he had a hamstring problem as well. I just think lower body injuries are going to be a thing for Kevin Durant as we move forward. And I think 65 to 70, probably 65, is almost where he maxes out in games played. And while number two on a per-game basis is great, it's very hard to feel comfortable taking him in the first round. Like, he was great. He averaged 30 and 7 with 6.5 assists. Some of that was with Kyrie. Some of that was with Harden. They didn't play much together. He had a steal and a block and and 6.5 assists. 52 and 91. There's no denying the brilliance of the per-game value of Durant. Would Simmons have any impact on him? I say yes, and I'll say yes this way. I don't think they'll need to play Durant 37 minutes a night at age 34, which he'll be halfway through the season or start of the season. He'll be 34. He won't play 37 a night, I would guess. Maybe he loses an assist or half an assist a game with Simmons around. And it's just minutes, really. 37 is a crazy amount for Kevin Durant. He was by far the leader on this team in Raptor, plus 5.6. EPM, 99th percentile in the league. Led the team in LeBron. Like, he's just great. 4.8 DPM is a huge number. On off of 11.9. Like, he was amazingly good. And he would have probably been in the MVP discussion had he played more than 55 games. But he's going to be 34. And if the 37 goes to 34 minutes, instead of 30 points, is it 27, 6.5, 5.5? 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks. The efficiency will always be there. But he's at 34. There is going to be a decline at some point. I probably, hmm, early to say, I would find it hard to want to take him in the top 10 next season. As good as he is, just for decline factors, Simmons factors, minutes factors, injury factors. Too many negatives there. Well, I look at that and go, I don't see how that gets better. How does it improve from there? It probably doesn't. I'd find that really hard to believe that he gets better from that area. He was great. So was Kyrie. Excellent. Seventh ranked player per game. Played 29 games though and played 38 minutes. He didn't get injured this year because he didn't play enough. I would feel more comfortable with Kyrie's injuries than KD's at this stage. I don't think you will have to... His ADP ended up being 58 because of we heard the vaccine stuff before most drafts took place, so he really got dropped down. If you took him at 58, you probably ended up pretty good value, I think. Maybe if you took him at, if you took him at 70, definitely got good value. He averaged 27, 4, and 6, 1.4 steals. So you look at that and go, maybe he loses a little bit with assists with Simmons around. Do the 38 minutes stay? That's probably a concern. 47, 92, really, really great shooting numbers. The argument will be, do you take Kyrie or KD first next season? I think majority of you, if you're watching, drop it in the comments. You will all say KD, I'm pretty sure. I'm not as convinced it'll be the case. Just through... I think KD will be better per game, for sure. But I think they'd be more more interested in dropping KD's minutes. They're both injury risks. And... Yeah, I just, I just think that there's a little bit more risk with KD, amazing as that is. Kyrie's got plenty of risk. 
I don't think I want to take... They're both top 10 players. I wouldn't want to take either of them in the top 10. Kyrie has also just turned 30. His advanced stats were you know, phenomenal. We don't need to really dive too much into it. We know that him and KD are just driving this team. Interestingly, Harden's LeBron was way ahead of Kyrie's. That was a little bit interesting. Not massively. He's a plus 5.7 on off. KD is the better player. But it's just these two driving the truck. After that, oh, shit, it's rough. You're Seth Curry, who was really good this year until the end. 88th ranked player overall in per game value. In points leagues, he was 120th. He averaged 15 points in 33 minutes with two and a half threes. Did well in Philadelphia and not as well in Brooklyn, but pretty good. 3.6 assists. He's never going to get steals and blocks. He shot 49 and 87. Some really, really strong numbers there from Seth. Part of the reason why I look at that and go, I worry, is that he shot 53% from mid-range. KD, for example, shot 55. And KD is great. Seth Curry is a good shooter. He's not that mid-range guy. So there is a chance that that field goal percentage and that 59E field goal drops a lot. That 49% goes to 45, 46 very easily. Therefore, the scoring drops. Do the 33 minutes hold if Simmons and Brown are still in that mix? I don't know about that. He's also 31, turning 32 at the start of the season. And realistically, what we rely upon him for is three-pointers and not much else. Like Fantasy-wise, he was solid with his percentages, but volume's not that high. And I think that can drop in his field goals, and it's the threes that really brought the value. Defensively, he's a negative. Offensively, he's a positive. He was solid with the advanced numbers. Again, I just worry about... He just never gets rebounds for a start. I worry about that mid-range shooting and how that translates across to the rest of his future. And I just think there are some things here, again, that'll probably suffer some regression. And I wouldn't want to rely upon him as a top 100 player as he was this year, 88th. I wouldn't take him there. 120th, 130th, sure. I just think that this is very... Hmm. It's got very Evan Fournier vibes. Fournier was around this area last year, did it on some pretty efficient shooting. But if that isn't there and the minutes fall away, then you got nothing. And I reckon that's a little bit of the risk here with uh, with Seth as we move forward is that some of that stuff has some real risk of falling away. So I think he is a little bit of a um, sell high dynasty type of player. LaMarcus Aldridge, somehow, somehow, I don't know how, but the 119th ranked player on a per game basis, 141st in points leagues. He only played 22 minutes. He averaged 13 and five. He had a blocker game. How did he do it? Well, 55 and 87. There you go. Two massively strong percentage numbers. That's that's the value. He was positive. They're both his strongest categories by a long way. Every other category, and not so. That's not true. Blocks and free throws equal percent equal value, but every other category is a negative. He still struggles to move. He lost minutes as the season went on. Next season should be the season where they just say Nick Claxton is our guy. And that's, I don't know where Aldridge fits. Injured again this season with that hip issue. Defensively, held up with some really good advanced um, defensive numbers. And his impact was okay. I just, I don't really expect at his age, 36, going to be 37 really soon, that we rely upon 22 minutes. Or honestly, of him even playing again. He might just re-retire. That's possible too. He was a plus 0.2 with his on-off. That's not a bad number. But things have really started to drop for him. And he won't be a 12-team target, I wouldn't have thought. But you should target betonline.net. 
as your number one source for betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. After Aldridge, it was the big avocado, Andre Drummond, 144th ranked player, someone that was just insanely rostered all season. His ADP was 105. My guy, you drafted him as Joel Embiid's backup. Crazy. That is insane drafting. Embiid really didn't miss much time. COVID early in the year. Drummond went to Brooklyn and put up some okay numbers. Still horrific from the line, but ended up averaging eight and nine with a steal and a block and two assists. Why he was rostered in as many leagues as he was for as long as he was is baffling. 113th in points leagues, averaging 26 points. Is he a, is he a starting caliber NBA center? No. Is he a starting center that could play Mason Plumlee's 24-minute role? Maybe, yeah. And it has to be a really interesting squad balance to fit him in. Raptor, liked him. Really liked him defensively, plus 2.4. EPM, liked him as well, plus 1.5, third on this team. The advanced stuff, really liked him. Rebounding, he's always going to be a stud there. He's not a terrible player because he started to find his role. The reason I used to shit on him so much is because he would go out there and think, I am the man, I need to have 28 usage. I can't finish at all as a big man. I'm chucking up crazy shots, insane turnovers, just out of position defense. Like he was just crazily wild, made no sense. But he accepted his role, much like Hassan Whiteside in Utah. Hey, this is my role now, and I sort of play within myself. And that happened to him. The risk is if he does go to, hey, who's a team that needs a center? Maybe it's Charlotte. Haven't said that a million times. But if he went to Charlotte and they started him and played him 29 minutes, I think the bad habits would all come back and he'd be just be one of the most frustrating players to watch. Still would put up great fantasy numbers because that's what he does. But just in terms of frustration and how actually impactful he is, it would be really bad. But in this role, he can be useful. He can be good. He can be streamable for fantasy leagues. He's only 29. He's not even 29 yet. He's almost 29. There's still some value in him. And he's a nice like 14-team league guy, especially if you're punting free throws. But that's probably about it. The Shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, 152nd ranked player. I thought he was handled horribly by Steve Nash this season. Out of the rotation for most of the year. Small role for most of the year after being really good last season. And then towards the end of the year, we started to see the minutes come back up and he played well. I still have some questions as to how he fits in a lineup with Simmons. How do you play those two together along with Claxton? I don't think you can. He averaged 9-5 and five with a steal, 0.7 block, shot 51-76. and Because realistically, Brown's a center, Claxton's a center, Simmons is a center, really, in terms of spacing and shooting. That's all where they are. Brown did shoot 40% from three, but very, very low volume. Like really no attempts at all. What did he take? 1.3 per game. But he shot 40%. So he's still not being treated as really much of a threat out there. But impact-wise, I think he's, I think he's a really solid player my worry is going to be how it fits with Simmons. So while on, I look at this and go, 25 minutes for Bruce Brown this season was ridiculous. It was too low. Next season, I might say, I don't think you can play him that much with Simmons and Claxton and maybe Drummond back there. How do you play pay him that much? I don't think Drummond will be back. I don't think they can afford him back. 
how do you pay? How do you play Brown that much when he's such a non-factor offensively and shooting-wise? Where he's not a threat. Where the forty percent is good, but he's not a three-point shooting threat. Again, all the advanced stuff is pretty strong on him. Not a surprise. We saw him play. We know how impactful he can be. Interesting though, negative one point six on/off hurts him a little bit. Will he ever be a top one hundred fantasy player? I'm just not sure he can ever scale up that much. Joe Harris. Well, we didn't really see anything, did we? 14 games, 30 minutes. Even in those games, he struggled. He wasn't top 150, 178th, in fact. What he is is a three-point streaming specialist. Four rebounds, 11 points, one assist, 0.6 steals. He hit three threes. He did that at 46%, as he just always does. He doesn't do anything else. Not someone that you should prioritize at all with KD, with Kyrie, with Simmons. He's just not going to get the touches and the shot attempts to be in that position to be useful enough to step up. His advanced stats were horrible in the limited role that he played. They're really bad, and that's per-game stuff. He's much better than that. He was the worst player on this team, according to LeBron, and basically the worst, according to EPM, and same with Raptor. Like, they're really bad numbers, but he is better than that. I just think that for fantasy, some of his value may have been overstated, and if you continually rely on a bloke to shoot 46 47% from three, you're going to end up disappointed because it is... He's going to fall at some point and have a 41 or a 42 or, God forbid, a 37% season. Still very good, but not at this insane elite level. And then when you do absolutely nothing else, there's just not a fantasy value pack in there. Nikki Claxton, 197th ranked player. Played 21 minutes. Again, we hoped for more. We hoped to push into a bigger role, but they just kept getting other guys in there. Now, injuries... You know, whatever the illness was to cost him a month to start the season and another injury later in the year hurt him. He only played 47 games. He's constantly hurt though. 23 years of age, restricted free agent. He averaged nine and five and a half with one block, 67%. Another punt free throw guy. But this is a top 100 player in the future, I think. Defensively, I like what he can do. He can switch out. I think they just have to lean into giving him that role next season. Will they do it? I, I don't know. But defensively, he's already in a positive position. Um, Finishing-wise, really strong. Offensive rebounding, pretty strong. Shot blocking, pretty good. There's value in him moving forward. I think there is real... Is this a top 100 breakout guy next year? It's going to depend on what they do with Drummond and Aldridge and Griffin and those guys. But I would think at this point, you're going in with the expectation that he is the center. It's not 32-minute center. It's 25, probably, because Simmons and Brown will play pseudo-center at times, I think. And maybe Aldridge and Griffin are back. Maybe Dayron Sharp's in the mix. Um, but I do think that there is... He's going to be a draftable guy for me in the last rounds. And we're going to start probably a three, four-year window of Claxton hovering at the top 100 would be my guess with him. That can change a lot depending on the team and the decisions they make with their roster. After Claxton, Pat Mills, like honestly just really bad this season, I thought. 224th ranked player. He hit three threes. That's what he does. You can find threes on the wire, but inefficient, didn't get to the line, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. And after the first month of the season, he just really struggled. Defensively, he's not he's not up to it anymore. Um, he really struggled. The shot just wouldn't go in at all as the season went on. He still hit 40% from three because he was at like 50% from three for the first six weeks or something, which really elevated him to be a top 100 player. And it's one of those things when you always want to look at that value, who's going to drop off. There is no way it continues. He fell super hard the other direction. doesn't always fall that hard. But you know that there's no way that that level of shooting at 55% from three or whatever it was, it was insane. 
it was never going to stick. And it just fell so super hard. And Mills became close to unplayable. Still think he's useful because he is obviously a well-respected threat out there. And that spaces the floor a lot. But he's just not doing enough in any other areas. And he's going to be 34 next season. He will pick up that player option, I'm guessing. And not going to be a fantasy option. They don't need to talk about Dragic or Griffin. The young guys are interesting. I like Kessler Edwards. I like him. 22 years of age, 21 minutes. Only six and four. Half a steal, half a block, 41 and 82. They're not sensational numbers. 315th ranked player. He averaged 13, 14 fantasy points. It's not great numbers. But I just thought there was enough there where I could see the framework of how he can become a good player. Nothing advanced tells me that, that they're all bad, his numbers. Like, really bad. And that's, I guess, to be expected on a team like this when he was forced into large roles. But I thought when he was forced into those large roles, he wasn't a disaster. Is he yeah, top 50 upside? No, I don't think so. Top 150, maybe? Like, what's the best case? Nick Batum? 14, 5, 2, steal, block, 48, 78. It's not really high upside, but I like it. Dayron Sharp showed an ability to be a great rebounder. Twelve and uh, sorry, six and five in twelve minutes on fifty-eight percent shooting. I thought he looked solid when he was out there. His advanced numbers are actually really good. Could they go into the season with Sharp and Claxton as their centers? Could Sharp end up a better player than Claxton? Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I'm a little bit, you know, Sharp out on the perimeter. I'm not sure about. Um, even his rim protection numbers, they're fine. His best thing is his rebounding and being a beast offensive rebounder. But some very positive signs early on for him. And yeah, probably a career backup, but better than like a Damian Jones type player, I think is where he profiles. There's a little bit of excitement, not excitement, a little bit of hope, I think, of him becoming a decent player. And the same goes for Cam Thomas. I thought when pushed into a larger role, Thomas, who's only 20, 18 minutes a night. I thought he was solid. Eight points, 0.73s, 43% shooting, 83% from the line. What I would have liked from him, though, is to shoot better from three. 27%. Like, that's what you need to be able to do. He can score. There's no doubt about that. 22 usage, he can score. But only 35% of his shots from deep, and he couldn't hit them. He needs to be... And on LSU, I don't believe he was a very good three-point shooter. He just got by on a lot of value, uh, volume. sorry. So there are signs, and he's very much a... In his bag, look at his bag, pure hooper, baller, wet crossover, dribble, whatever bullshit type player that people love and will hype up. Man, this boy nice. He's one of those guys, right? Where he'll put on a nice crossover and he'll score 20 on 15 shots in a short amount of time. He's not, that, he's not that good, but he will get overrated. And that's those sort of players who get overrated, um, honestly, some of their fantasy values skews high. His advanced stuff was worst on the team in most metrics. It was pretty bad just because of how inefficient he was shooting the ball, which was, again, really poor. He showed some ability to pass more than I thought he had, which is encouraging. And there's something there. Is he a top 50 player? No, I don't think so. I think he's probably going to be a guy that tops out at top 140. But the shots need to start to go in. I think a big step forward next year, but maybe it turns into like a Dylan Windler, who was a good shooter and then never shot well in the NBA. Maybe Thomas is that player. David Duke, I thought, filled in okay. He's probably good enough to get another two-way. Shot only 36%, but I thought defended really well. 
and did what he needed to do when he was out there. But still, overall, we're not looking at him as any sort of upside. We're looking at Sharp and Thomas a lot more. Um, yeah, upside players here. We're looking at Claxton, obviously. We're looking at Thomas, Sharp, and Edwards, who I think all can be solid rotation NBA players. And they did really well to get those guys in the draft. And then Brown, who maybe has another step, but I'm not sure it fits on this team. A lot of questions for this squad. Depends how far they go in the playoffs. And what do they do with Aldridge, Griffin, Drummond? Claxton's restricted free agency. How do they fit Simmons? A lot of question marks with how this team is going to look as we move forward. And that will do it for me today, guys. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb us up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.